Vikings Defense 2020 on Climbing the Pocket Network's Quick Shots. Part 3. Hey everybody, it's time to talk the Minnesota Vikings 2020 Defense. Join me, Dave, from Good Morning Gallahorn. Flip, the great Flip Mozzie from 15 Minutes with Flip and Matt Fries, one of the Climbing the Pocket Network's outstanding writers as we break down what we see coming in just less than two weeks. Skull! Hey everybody, it's Dave here, and I have with me Matt Fries, outstanding writer for Climbing the Pocket Network. I have the great and one and only Flip Mozzie from 15 Minutes with Flip Mozzie. And we are here to continue part three of the Vikings Defense 2020. We've only got two groups left, linebackers and defensive line. Flip, why don't you get us started? Let's move on to the linebackers. We got both Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. It's been a silent training camp for them on the practice field. What do you think we got here, Matt? Uh, so Kendricks, I don't think you're going to see him play as well in 2020 as he did in 2019. That's not a knock on Kendricks per se, but it's kind of like Harrison Smith in 2017, where he was absolutely incredible, right? Kendricks was absolutely incredible last year. He was a top three. If you're being conservative, he was a top three linebacker in the NFL. I think he was the best linebacker in the NFL last year. I think he is an elite player who is extremely talented and will continue to play at a high level. It's just you're going to have year-to-year fluctuations with that play, right? So maybe he doesn't get the ridiculous number of pass breakups he did last year and looks a little bit worse overall, but he's still you know, a top 10 linebacker in the league. Uh, with Barr, I think Barr, in some cases it might be fair but but in a lot of cases i think he gets kind of unfairly looked down upon i think we maybe at this point some people have too high of expectations for bar um i think he's shown us who he is and he's a very good linebacker um i think he's better in coverage than a lot of people talk about a lot of the issues he had in coverage i would argue are more schematic things if you remember that rams game a couple years ago you know, nobody, no linebacker has a chance against Cooper Cup. It's, it's simply not fair to ask Barr to execute those assignments that he, some of the assignments he was asked to execute in that game. Um, I was so, at that Rams game a few years ago. Yeah, um, which I, I'm sure, like, it was a shootout, so it was probably fun, although disappointing at the end. Oh, it was an in- incredible game. One of those games where, you know, it was, it's a close game down to the end and then you get out the stadium and and the media wants to say that, oh, the Rams blew out the Vikings. No, I don't buy it, that. It's like, for yeah, a no, no, it was that was that game was was a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah. And it's like, OK, so you have those moments with bar, but generally it's a really high level of play. Right. And I think that he and Kendricks are, are a really great pairing, right? Because Barr is bigger and more physical. And if you need him to take on blocks, he can take on blocks, right? Kendricks isn't a guy you want taking offensive linemen head on, but he's so instinctive and he's so fast and he's so 
good at knowing where the ball's going to go. And similarly in coverage, he he's instinctive and he makes incredible plays on the football um, that they work really well together. I think the depth behind that is interesting because we're seeing a lot of turnover and we've kind of had we've kind of had our plans derailed, right? Because Ben Gedeon was our depth guy, more of a run stopping guy. If we were in base downs where we wanted to stop the run, he is on the pup and it sounds like he's probably not going to be able to play this year. Cameron Smith, unfortunately had found out he had a heart issue that required open heart surgery. Right. And it sounds like the surgery went well and he's recovering, but he was a depth guy last year who we're not going to get to play for us this year. So we're going to be relying on, on newer players like the guy we drafted, Troy Dye, out of Oregon. Um, and also Eric Wilson, who's been around the team for a long time and has played well in absences. He's not the best against the run. But hopefully Kendricks and Barr are able to stay healthy all year. We don't run into issues with depth, but I am a little bit concerned with the depth behind them if we have to dig into that during the season. Okay. Well, hey unknowns and next man up mm-hmm. um I, i'd rather have a troy die there and an eric wilson there you know some five-year veteran that might give you more comfort at the start of the season but just not actually be able to play when if his name is called and uh, the one thing i will say is you know they are a lot better to be as a replacement for bar and kendricks because of their athleticism and their ability and coverage than a Gideon would be, right? Because I don't trust Gideon in coverage at all. He's somebody I, I just want to put in there to stop the run. Right. All right. Now, let's move. Go ahead. I was about to say, when it comes to linebacker play, and we had outstanding linebacker play, especially from Eric Kendricks, um, there's a difference between last year and this year that leads us to our next section. That difference was last year we had Linval Joseph in the middle eating up blocks, eating up linemen from getting back to the linebackers. This year we signed Michael Pierce early, but as everybody knows, he's opted out. So are the linebackers going to have the same level of protection from the interior guys this year that they did last year? Hey, it's it's one of those times again on the defense where you just have to say these. This is a youth movement. These are unknowns. Unknowns means it could go well or it could go bad. It does not automatically mean that we're going to be worse off. I think Linval Joseph, for as great as he has been for the Vikings over the last few years, it was clear he had a down year in 2019. And the Vikings are looking for either risers at defensive tackle or they're looking for more of a rotation. And I always thought that the Michael Pierce signing, really just if you look at what he played, it was another nose tackle, but we had Shamar Steven too. It was clear that they're trying to do more of a defensive interior rotation. So here's the spot where we really need to talk about depth because it's not just Shamar Steven. Uh, it's not just Jaleel Johnson. You have to look at James Lynch. You have to look at Hercules Mataafa. You have to look at Armand Watts and say, if, if can these guys rotate in and out, 
in and out enough to provide some semblance of a good defensive line in that middle. Yeah, so uh, one thing I, I was looking at is just the snap counts that everybody played on the defensive line last year. And Linval missed a couple of games, so he, he did lose out on snaps due to injury and not necessarily, you know, well, I think ideally we'd, we would have played him more, but Shamar Steffen played about 50% of the snaps. Linval played about 50% of the snaps on defense. Julio Johnson was 40% of the snaps. And then Watts, Mata'afa, and Holmes combined for 25% of the snaps. They were all relatively grouped together. I think with the loss of Joseph, I I love the Michael Pierce signing, and I thought he was a solid replacement for Joseph there. But with us moving Stefan over to Nose, I would rather us play Shamar Stefan at Nose than I would at 3-Tech. And it sounds like the coaches are insistent on playing him regardless. Um, you know, they've been effusive in their praise for Shamar Stefan. And, and frankly, I don't see it. Um, they talk about how he eats up double teams and that he keeps Kendricks clean. I see him get knocked back often when facing double teams. I see him struggling to contain linemen who are trying to move to the second level on double teams. So I, I don't know what they're seeing that's, that's different than what I'm seeing with Stefan, but... I think that does less harm at nose than it does at three tech because I would rather have a guy who can penetrate the defensive line at three or the offensive line at three tech and get into the backfield and disrupt the quarterback and make plays there and have my guy who's going to be a run stuffing eat double teams at nose tackle. And that's what they want Shamar Stefan to do. All right. Yeah. Talking about the linebackers and defensive line. Actually, these are the groups that have had the most changes because we just have a new Minnesota Viking, Yannick Ngakwe, who the Vikings traded for. They're sending a second round pick and a conditional fifth round pick to acquire the star defensive end from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ngakwe, he's 25 years old, just a little bit younger than Daniil Hunter. And he has, I think what is it like he's got in the uh, a four or five three or four years of solid defensive line pressure edge pressure sacks you can call him the strip sack daddy we just moved on from everson griffin who was the sack daddy well this guy is the strip sack daddy because it seems every time he hits the quarterback he's forcing a fumble so ngakwe changes the entire dynamic of the defensive line for the Minnesota Vikings right now. And Matt, I'd love to hear from you on your thoughts on the defensive line and this new addition. Yeah, so the addition of Ngakwe I think is great because, you know, uh, just a little bit behind the scenes here, we recorded this on Sunday initially, and then obviously the news broke on Monday that Ngakwe was traded, so we kind of have to redo it, right? Because the defensive line, the whole structure of it kind of changes when you add Ngakwe into the mix. Um, I think it's great. And the main, like, probably the best part about this is you get to see an edge rush group that's similar to the group that we had last year, right? We lost Everson Griffin this offseason. We chose not to re-sign him. The Cowboys were able to get him for about $6 million. And, you know, we kind of had a bit of a question mark in Afadio Denebo because he just hadn't, 
been a full-time starter. We got a lot of good production out of him last year as a third edge rusher, and he gets to play that role again this year now that we've added Ngakwe. Um, to add to what you were saying there, Flip, with his production, I mean, he's had eight sacks every single season he's been in the NFL since 2016. That's fantastic production. Yeah. At least eight sacks. One at least eight was sacks. A double. Yes. Yes. Um, at least eight sacks every single season. Uh, I, I mean, he's just been a fantastically productive edge rusher. Now, while he's great on the pass rush side of things, I have some reservations on the run defense side of things. But I think with the depth that the Vikings have, they may be able to rotate, you know, better run defending edge rushers like Fadio Denebo or like maybe a Jalen Holmes might show up as somebody who's better in defense against the run and keeping Gakwe fresh for those pivotal third downs and pass rush situations. Um, because we tended to use Everson and Daniel a lot last year. I believe both were around, they played around 80% of the snaps. So I'd like to see a little bit more rotation this year just to keep the guys fresh on third down and, you know, sack the quarterback and kill drives. Well, the defensive end, and he is a pass rushing specialist. Uh, reminds me of Jared Allen, really. Um, that in a run game, a defensive end is supposed to set the edge. If your defensive end is a pass rushing specialist, i.e. Jared Allen, like Ngakwe is, where his whole idea is to get to the quarterback every time, what you're going to have to have is somebody else make sure the edge is set, be it the one of the corners or a linebacker to do that. And the Vikings can very well do that, or safety for that matter. Harrison Smith well, can come up and I, make that happen if, if if we get into the run games. And all he has to do, you know, is disrupt. And I fully expect Unique to disrupt. I expect him to disrupt, but I don't expect it all to be week one. You know, there's a lot of good reasons to like this trade. There's a couple reservations I have. Number one, it, it was somewhat expensive, and we only have him for a year, where this is a guy you hope to extend and get him in place long term. Um, you but, don't think, Flip, you don't think there was a notional agreement prior to the trade made between somebody on the Vikings and uh, his you know, agent saying, hey, we want... You, you got to take twelve million, but we'll work on a long-term deal around this number-ish somewhere, and they basically verbally agreed to it, you know, and deleted all evidence of it, and they're going into it that way. Or do you think it's just the straight? You want out of Jacksonville so bad, you're willing to take twelve million plus taxes and leave. Well, I I, I think that's the exact conversation they had, but you know we've seen the same thing with. Sheldon Richardson, that was a deal where they got him at a one-year discount and then, and then you know, said that we were going to try to get this guy here long-term, and that didn't happen. And it's okay to let Sheldon Richardson walk because you brought him in as a free agent. Well, here with Yannick, you've given up some draft capital, and so there is a higher expectation. You lose more if you're unable to get him here long-term. So hopefully it happens, but we haven't seen that happen yet. We just got to keep that in the back of our minds as the season goes on. Um, I think on the field, 
also when you talk about him him pass rushing versus uh, defending the run, all those adjustments you made, David, all those adjustments you mentioned, those are things that take time. And, and those are things where if you're going to switch from uh, a pass rushing specialist, switch to that from what Afadi Odenebo was going to bring, uh, I just don't think that all happens at once. It doesn't happen by September 13th. And I think, honestly, when the Vikings take the field for the first time, it's going to be a Fadio Denebo lining up at right defensive end, and they're going to work Yannick Ngakwe in over the first month. Now, that's a spicy hot take. Because uh, I think uh, uh, Ifadi is going to be moving around. I think he'll come in and relieve uh, Yannick. And, but I also think they'll be utilizing him down inside, especially on pass rushing downs when they want yeah, to that, penetration. Yeah, that's a long-term vision I have, too. But I think week one, you're going to see a fadey at right defensive end on pass rushing downs. They're, they'll bring Unique in there. Maybe a fadey will move inside on those downs, or maybe he comes off the field. But I think that Odenabo will, will outsnap Yannick over the first month of the year. You that's know, my hot take. I, I think that's a pretty fair point um, because the other thing you have to consider with Yannick is that he hasn't done any football activities to this point, right? I mean, we've all everybody's had a shortened offseason anyway, but he didn't sign the tag in Jacksonville because he made it very clear that he was not going to play for that football team. And I am, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm pretty confident he did not participate in any football activities with the team. So it still takes some time to get in that football shape. I I think it would make a lot of sense for the Vikings to ease him into it. They've been treating Afadi like he's been the starter up until this opportunity came about, right? So he's ready to plug in there week one, and then when you need that extra juice on third down, you put Afadi in there. To your point, David, I... I agree with you. I think we'll see throughout the season Afadi moving around. I, one of the things that this makes me most excited for is on third downs, we can kick Afadi Odenabo inside like we did with um, Everson Griffin at times last year. And Afadi did that quite often last year as well. He got a number of his sacks rushing from the defensive tackle position, right? Um, so I, I think that allows us to basically use the same package use the same packages on third down, which are really have been really successful for us for the past, you know, for Zimmer's entire tenure that we did last year without having to worry about a new player like Jalen Holmes trying to contribute in the spot that Afadi was in last year. We still have Afadi there. Exactly. Yeah, this this is Mike Zimmer and Andre Patterson. They like to get their hands on these defensive ends. They like to work with them. Zimmer's not going to let a guy who struggles against the run. He's just not going to throw that guy out there on three downs against Green Bay in week one. Um, and so I, I don't expect to see all the benefits from this trade right away. I expect it to be a longer term benefit for the Minnesota Vikings. Something else you touched on, Matt, as we expand, we look at the entire defensive end group is you talked about, you know, the roster depth behind Odenabo. We've got Jalen Holmes there. We're looking at, well, Ken Willekes just 
injured his foot, so he won't be a part of the roster. But, man, people are forgetting that we had more than three pass rushers last year. We had four pass rushers. We had Steven Weatherly, who played uh, 400 snaps for the Vikings. And even with this Yannick addition, even with Afedio Denimbo stepping up, we're still relying on Jalen Holmes. We're still relying on that guy to develop the rotation out to fully see fresh legs at that spot. And I don't think we should forget about that. This is a big year for Jalen Holmes, even after this trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that too, Flip. Um, and the other person I'd like to mention there is Eddie Yarborough, who we've seen good reports from camp. I, I remember, you know, watching Vikings preseason games in years past. We've played the Bills a couple of times. I, it was at least once while he was on their roster. And he was really beating up our tackles in those preseason games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've kind of had high hopes for him since we started him on the roster. What do you think in terms of who he might keep if it's, you know, the top four are pretty solid now in Hunter and Gakwe? Holmes and uh, yeah, Hunter and Gakwe Holmes and Odenabo. And then we have DJ Wanham. Sounds like Willikis is probably out. Uh, we have Yarborough. And there's also Stacey Keeley and I believe uh, Anthony Zettel. So who do you, who would you keep? Maybe five, maybe six of those guys flip? I, you know, it's hard for me to do any roster predictions. Most of it is really just what the beat writers are telling us from camp. Like you said, it sounds like Yarbrough is head. It sounds like Holmes is struggling. You know, Wanham is the rookie draft pick who hasn't seen much time practicing with the first or second teams. He's been a third team depth guy. So it, the cut probably comes down between somewhere between Holmes and Wanham. They'll probably try to keep Wanham on the roster. So it might just, almost might be the odd man out. But who knows? I got no clue. Yeah, it depends how many defensive linemen they keep total. Because, right. And that's based on how many offensive linemen they keep total, and it cascades all over the place. Yeah, they, they usually keep eight or nine defensive linemen. So I would expect, you know, five defensive ends, four or five defensive ends, three or four defensive tackles. Speaking of defensive tackles, the Vikings this year signed free agent Michael Pierce. And as everybody knows, Michael Pierce opted out, took the COVID op out due to the fact that he's got asthma. And we wish wish him all the health. I know people that have had asthma, and it's a big deal. Since then, who are you seeing starting at nose tackle? Uh, I think nose tackle, it's been pretty clear from camp that Shamar Stefan is the guy. Um, That might not be who I would start personally. The Vikings are in love with Shamar Stefan, and I'm more on the side of a lot of the fan base, I think, where I don't think Shamar Stefan's performed all that well. Now, I will say I prefer him at nose tackle to three technique because one of the issues I have with Stefan is he gets – absolutely zero pass rush like he he hardly ever gets pressure on the quarterback 
Um, and that's a lot more manageable at nose tackle than it is at three technique, where traditionally three techniques, your pass rushing defensive tackle. Um, now the team loves his ability to fight double teams. They love his ability to keep Eric Kendricks clean. You know, they've said that multiple times. I don't think he does a great job, particularly against double teams, but I mean, I, I guess on some level we have to trust Andre Patterson or Mike Zimmer more than we trust me. Right. Um, and then at three technique, I think it's going to be Julio Johnson, although it may be a bit more of a rotation. Um, last year, Linval had an injury, but he played about 50% of the snaps. Uh, uh, Stefan played about 50% of the snaps. And then you also saw significant snaps from Julio Johnson and, and a few snaps from Armand Watts as well. So I think we'll see a bit of a mixture between Stefan Watts and Jaleel, who I think all three kind of have versatility to play nose and three technique. I do too. And I think it's going to set up a pretty decent defensive line, especially when they, if Zimmer keeps them fresh and Andre cycles them in and out just the way they want at the perfect times. I think, I think getting Ngakwe was the key to help develop our corners even more. We talked about in the first, or in the last episode how the safeties will help with the corners. I think getting this new increased pass rush or possibility of it will give our corners some time because I think the quarterbacks will be seeing defensive uh, linemen in their face a lot quicker. And I think it'll be Ngakwe and Daniil Hunter, obviously, and uh, Afedi and Armin Watts or whoever the rotation is. I think they're going to have less time to throw, and it's going to frustrate them, which I think is a wonderful thing. Well, uh, it's it. Uh, let's not say less time to throw because we had a very good pass rush last year. Let's say that um, we hope to have the same pass rush we had at in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to add to that, with the addition of Ngakwe, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but the real concern you have from the defensive tackles is which of them can get after the passer. And I, I don't think any of Watts, Julio Johnson, or Shamar Stefan would be above average in terms of a defensive tackle rushing, rushing the passer. Armin Watts might be a bit above average for a nose tackle, but he's certainly not, you know, a high level three technique like an Aaron Donald or a Geno Atkins back in the day, or, or I can go on and on and list the guys. But in those third down pass rush situations, we can now kick a Fadio Denebo inside like he was very successful at last year. And that helps us out a lot when we have Hunter, Odenabo, and Ngakwe on the field at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know why Vikings fans are so obsessed about the defensive interior. We've always had solid play there. It's always been a role player. And we've also always had the strengths of the team be elsewhere. This is defensive tackle group is perfectly okay. We're not looking for an Aaron Donald. We're not looking for a Geno Atkins. We're not even looking for a Sheldon Richardson. We're looking for a role player who can stuff the run. If we wanted to generate a pass rush, we can do that with personnel and it's not this, this just isn't a high priority position for the Vikings. 
Yeah, I think the key with our defensive line is stopping the run, forcing opponents into passing third down situations, and then getting our run stoppers out of there to put more of a pass rush package in on third down. And as we all know, Mike Zimmer's maybe the king of blitzes. He brought somebody else in, I believe, to help him out with the blitzes and Dom Capers. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the addition of Dom Capers, Flip? I, I love the addition of Dom Capers. It remains to be seen exactly how it manifests itself on the on the defense. I think there's a few things, a few areas where we can look at the Dom Capers addition and say, hey, that might be really beneficial. Uh, a few of them, people aren't really talking about that much. The first one I want to mention is, yes, Dom Capers, he he comes from a 3-4 system. He's all about those exotic blitzes. Um, I think that definitely is something that you may see Mike Zimmer incorporate. It remains to be seen whether the Vikings are just going to straight up blitz more because they routinely are about timing their blitzing and not blitzing often. They routinely rank in the bottom five for blitz percentage, but in the top five for how often those blitzes actually generate pressure. So it's going to keep offensive guess, offensive guessing, even if they don't blitz more. Hopefully, based on the personnel we have, we do see a little uptick in how often they blitz. That's that's the number one thing with Dom Capers. It's the blitz packages. The second thing, though, is, you know, people are forgetting that the Vikings just promoted Adam Zimmer, former linebackers coach, to defensive coordinator. And Dom Capers is a guy who provides another perspective and ex- expertise on the defensive side of the ball. He's he can be there kind of as a mentor for Adam Zimmer. So if you look at what the Vikings did last year, promoting Kevin Stefanski to offensive coordinator and giving him a Gary Kubiak type mentor um, in his new role, that's what I see on the defensive side of the ball right now. And I don't think Vikings fans are talking about that enough um, because it's not going to be all X's and O's with Dom Capers. There's going to be some, you know, coaching with, with the linebackers and the defense overall that he can provide input on. And you're right. People aren't talking about it, and it's a great added benefit that uh, mm-hmm. we can see that keeps this defense a top 10 defense overall. Yeah. So, yeah. overall, we've discussed the, every area of the defense. What do you? How do you think the defense is going to do this season? Oh, like Mike Zimmer said, never he's never coached a bad defense. So, no, look, I have no concerns about the Minnesota Vikings defense. We talked about how great the personnel they have, the actual talent on the field, and people are concerned about the turnover. Maybe the Vikings didn't just turn over for the sake of turnover because they had no cap space. Maybe they actually looked at this defense, they found the weaknesses, and they fixed all of those weaknesses. So I think what we did with the secondary, with going with the young cornerbacks, I think that's an improvement. I think looking at the defensive line, getting younger at the defensive line, 
um, establishing more of a rotation, I think that's, again, another improvement. So where's the where's the for sure weakness on this defense? I have trouble answering that question. Um, yeah, I would generally agree with you there, Flip. I think there is a possibility, right, that our cornerback experiment turns out very poorly for us. I don't think that's necessarily a likely outcome, though, right? Because we did not have good cornerback play last year. And yes, we are bringing in a bunch of new guys. But if we had poor cornerback play, and that was probably the worst part of our defense last year, hopefully we can improve on that this year. And that will improve the defense as a whole. Um, I think, you know, the Vikings in most scenarios are, are pretty safely a top 10 defense. Um, particularly by scoring. We're generally pretty good at red zone defense. We're good at third down defense, which is something Mike Zimmer has been good at year after year. And it's not common for defensive coordinators or defenses in general to be good in those situations year after year. But Mike Zimmer, along with maybe Bill Belichick, is kind of unique in that respect where he's able to get his defenses to play well on third down and play well in the red zone every single season, it seems like. Um, so I, I think we have a lot of room for optimism to think that but this defense is going to continue to remain good, like it's been throughout Mike Zimmer's entire tenure. Without a doubt. And with that, we are going to end this episode. We look forward to you. Everybody at Climbing the Pocket Network is starting to roll into their regular season production levels. So... Break is over. Time for football. It's less than two weeks away, baby. Any last Skull words? Skull Vikings. Uh, did we have a question about the 3-4? Well, that was, Dave? yeah, a friend of mine that lives in Italy wanted to know about the 3-4, since we have Dom Capers. Oh, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to answer that question. So, do I see the Vikings running more 3-4 this year? Uh, the, the short answer is no, I do not. My reasons, number one, the Vikings were in nickel defense on 72% of their snaps. So while the 4-3 scheme is our base scheme, we're actually not in that base defense that often. Only 26% of the time were the Vikings in their base defense. Some of that will change because... We can't expect to be um, fielding early leads as often as we did last year. So when you get a lead early, that's going to cause the opponents to pass more, which is going to require more cornerbacks on the field. So maybe we're, we're in the base defense a little more this year, but it's pretty clear that Mike Zimmer likes to get the extra cornerback on the field as much as possible. And it's really hard to do that when you're running a three, four scheme. Uh, my other reason for doubting that we see more three, four looks is you have to look at the personnel and ask yourself who's coming on the field for the three, four, who's coming off the field. So for a three, four defense, what you're probably going to do is you're actually, you're going to want to stand a Neil Hunter up as an outside linebacker. You're not going to take them on the, off the field, and you're not going to move them to the defensive interior. You're going to stand them up at one linebacker spot, and then you're probably going to either stand it, stand up Yannick Ngakwe as well 
or stand up an Anthony Barr. So that means you're bringing on an Eric Wilson onto the field. You're bringing on possibly a Troy Dye onto the field. And you're bringing in some extra defensive tackles onto the field while, you know, pulling pulling your edge defenders off of it. I don't think that's something the Vikings want to do. They want to have those four defensive linemen flood that those four with pass rush when they need it and then blitz Anthony Barr and Harrison Smith as much as they can whenever the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, so uh, just to add what you were saying there, Flip, I, I totally agree about the 4-3 versus 3-4. I, I don't think we're going to see snaps we, where we are in a base 3-4 formation where we have three down linemen, two outside linebackers who are pass rushers, and then two linebackers behind that. Um, I do think we may see some, and we've seen this in the past, every year there are a few snaps where we put five guys on the line of scrimmage, including Anthony Barr, where it's kind of a it's a pass rush formation, and it's it's a it, it's a three four nickel look right where if you go into nickel and three four you pull one of the linebackers off and you still have five guys on the line of scrimmage. Um, I do think we'll see that occasionally, especially because Yannick is sometimes a stand up rusher, right? He he rushes both out of a two-point and a three-point stance. Typically in that look, you have both of the outside guys in two-point stances. Um, in that case, you would also get Daniil Hunter up against a guard if you have him with his hand in the dirt. So that's pretty appealing, right? He's just going to be a lot quicker than any guard he's going to be going against. Um, so I think we may see that a few times this year, but I, I think Capers is there a lot for the coaching experience, like you talked about earlier, Flip. But also, you know, Mike Zimmer runs a lot of zone blitzes. Dom Capers worked with or under Dick LeBeau, who's one of the originators of the zone blitz. I'm sure he's got a lot of good ideas to help the team out for zone blitzes. So I think that's going to be his main role, and we're not going to see a lot of 3-4 snaps. Cool. I hope that helps answer that question. Everybody, enjoy your week. Skull. Have a great one, y'all. Skull Vikes. Skull Vikings, everybody. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregate. Skull, everybody. Skull.